Hi, and thanks for listening to the Turtle Talks podcast, a podcast which will cover the comings and goings of the Happy Dancing Turtle Garden Crew through the upcoming year. We'll cover topics ranging from planning your garden to putting your garden to bed. Now, to learn more about us, go to happydancingturtle.org. Now, let's get started. start here we're going to start over again this is the first uh, uh, segment of uh, the podcast that we're putting together here on happy dancing turtles uh, on the uh, food and water security team uh, the, the garden crew if you will um, we don't have a name for it yet but maybe you can uh, send in some suggestions once we get going and we'll love to hear them um, first things foremost, uh, my name is Colin McLean and I work in the marketing department of Happy Dancing Turtle and I am here joined with uh, three of the garden crew. So let's start off with introductions and uh, start off with Jim. Hey Colin. Um, yeah, my name is Jim Chamberlain. I'm program manager for the food and water security um, department. and. Uh, yeah, also not with us today is Barb Wagner, and we'll talk more about Barb. Right. I'm Allison Ryan. I am the Food and Water Security Program Assistant, and my role in the garden is pretty much to do what Barb tells me to do. <laughs> and I'm uh, David Wilson. Um, I'm like gardener here up at uh, Happy Dancing Turtle um, and um, I, I also do um, uh, hydroponics and aquaponics systems in our um, in our atrium. It's great thanks for uh, thanks for uh, making this happen guys. Um, so let's took, take a look at um, one of the things that Happy Dancing Turtles does is it has a, well, a demonstration garden. Um, it does many other things but um, Let's take a look at what the mission is of Happy Dancing Turtle and how that uh, pairs up with the garden. Here's the mission statement. To build, demonstrate, and promote sustainable living in ways that are economically and ecologically practical. Doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue, but it has a lot of information there and it kind of speaks to what Happy Dancing Turtle is all about. Um, maybe, uh, Jim, you could talk a little bit about how the garden will align, uh, the garden crew and, and the whole point of having a garden on Happy Dancing Turtle uh, the, the, in, the, in the farm here, um, you can tell why why we have that. So how does the garden fit the mission? Um, well, we always like to say that we don't grow plants or food in the garden. We grow soil. That's our that's our goal in the garden is to build healthy soil. Because um, if you have healthy soil, you'll have healthy plants and healthy food and healthy people. Um, and if you graze it, you have healthy livestock. So um, So that's how we... You know that's 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 how we it kind of fits our mission is we're trying to we're trying to demonstrate how to build soil um, and show that um, and also through the perennial plantings that we do we're trying to build the ecology of the of the garden through beneficial insects and and um, you know pollinators and predatory insects that kind of thing as well as wildlife birds um, amphibians that kind of stuff that we're starting to see more and more of in the garden all the time. Um, 
as far as the economic part, we still got some work to do on that. But, uh, you know, that's the food system. The food system um, is kind of geared towards cheap food, and it's hard to compete with when you're trying to grow a quality product. So. Now, now, here's a little interesting thing. When I, um, when I tag a photo or through Instagram or Twitter or, you know, Facebook, um, when I'm on, it geolocates to the Happy Dancing Turtle Farm. Now, I didn't put that in there. I don't know if anyone here did that, but that's where it says we are located, the Happy Dancing Turtle Farm now. Would you say that we're running a farm here? Well, we call it a garden. Um, you know, I guess I guess you could call it a farm. We grow a lot of food. So How big I don't is know. It? Um, the garden's about two acres total. Um, we have about two thirds of an acre in um, annual vegetable production. Um, we also have about roughly two thousand square feet of hoop house production. We have a year-round atrium which we start our seeds in in the winter and the early spring late winter and um, run a ponics system out of that that david does um, the rest of the garden is in perennial crops um, fruits nuts vegetables plants for beneficial insects things like that well um i've got a number here that says how much you guys grew how many pounds you grew last year last season 2017 the summer and it's over 9,000 pounds of produce. Is that, is, is that a lot? For us, it is. Our harvest uh, amount has been um, uh, going up. Uh, you know, every year uh, we've been doing the um, uh, whole health um, program and then uh, our, our CSAs uh, that we offer, we've been um, increasing on, um, on those a little bit. So uh, I think it's a good number. I think something else that plays into that last year, you know, in, in the past, we've had years where we've had, like, really good crop of potatoes. So, you know, maybe <clears throat> we've been, been been increasing somewhere between, you know, 1,200 and 2,000 pounds a year annually, increasing our total production. But this year it was, I think it was, we'd have to go back and look closer, but I think it was more um, consistent across all the different, we grow somewhere around 40 different vegetables. As well as mushrooms and and some small fruits and 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 nuts, but I think last year we had was it four or five hundred pounds of lettuce total, yeah. something like that, um, and some of those kind of things. So you know it wasn't it was almost ten thousand pounds of produce, but it wasn't like mostly potatoes or heavy things like that or squash. It was a it was a well-rounded mix of of lots of different produce that we produced so so you're saying you learned how to skew the numbers <laughs> no we didn't skew the numbers this time so we didn't grow nine eight hundred and fifty pounds of potatoes and the rest <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, we're, our, kind of the highlights out of our garden last year was um we had a seven pound head of cauliflower that was just beautiful and um we grew 1700 storage onions that we started, and out of that, we got almost 700 pounds of potato or 700 pounds of onions. Um, and it's just amazing. It was like one ounce of seed that grew 700 pounds of onions. And that's just on two acres of a plot right there. That's, well, that's yeah, two thirds of an acre of annual vegetable production. But um, you know, that averaged almost eight ounces an onion, which is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Nice bumper crop. I mean, so I mean, looking at the, the amount of food that you guys produce is amazing, but I think what's even more amazing is how you guys do that, uh, the, the, the way that you um, work with the soil. From what I understand, it's considered an organic farm. Is that correct? Well, we don't, we don't really call it organic. We're not certified organic.
use a we use a variety of methods. We use um, I guess you could throw lots of different things out there. Where whether it's permaculture or organic or biodynamic or ecological or agroforestry, we we kind of take all those different techniques and and theories or methods and and kind of do our own thing I guess um you know there's things like we follow the biodynamic calendar so we plant based on on the moon phases and the how the celestial bodies in our galaxy align and that so like we, we, we just we just follow the calendar that that we purchase from the biodynamic um, group and you know it costs what I think $16 or $18 for the calendar um and we try to follow we don't follow it religiously if if it turns out that you know, we're supposed to plant on a Saturday. Well, we don't work on Saturday, so we plant on Friday. <laughs> but, um, you know, it doesn't cost much. And things like compost tea and stuff like that, we don't know for sure where the science is, you know, and, and what they can prove and what they can't prove behind it. And we don't have the numbers or the data to back that up. But it seems to work for us, and it doesn't cost much. So so we use all the tools we 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 can. We look at all the tools that are out there, and we try to find the ones that are good for us. already mentioned uh, some of the, the programs that you guys uh, have initiated. Um, so I guess we can talk a little bit more about um, what you guys do off campus, um, some of the programs that, um, that that this produce uses. Yeah, let's talk about the kitchen too. I mean, uh, what, what do you guys do with the produce that you guys make? Allison, I think you uh, have um, spearheaded this wonderful program called Whole Health. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. The vegetables go into a CSA, many of them do into a CSA that um, is available for employees here at Happy Dancing Turtle and also for some community members and most of us buy into that. Also the garden provides vegetables for the kitchen um, and the kitchen makes a healthy lunch three days a week here for staff. Um, yeah, don't downplay it. We know who the, who the chef is. Allison's the cook here in, uh, in the winter months and she makes she puts a lot of work into it. So don't, let's, let's make sure that we understand. Yeah, and Ellen does an amazing job in the summertime. It's good stuff. Uh, so <laughs> um, <clears throat> one of our programs, though, is called Whole Health Pine River Bacchus. And this is our version of a CSA prescription program. The idea is that food can heal. And um, some of these um, metabolic diseases or um, unhealthy living can be cured with food and not only food but with also education around that food so whole health pine river bacchus in 2017 we supplied 15 csa shares to low-income families in the area and in addition to getting that weekly bag of vegetables uh, we also partner with snap ed and um, they did the cooking classes uh, using the vegetables in these CSAs. And we should highlight that that we don't offer the training. The training is a requirement. They have to attend the training, the nutrition and, and cooking classes in order to receive the CSA's share. So it's a it's not about giving people food, it's about it's about a lifestyle change. 
Um, a lot of people don't know how to cook anymore. Um, cooking takes a lot of time. If you're if you're a low-income person and you're working one or two jobs and you're trying to raise a family, um, it takes a lot of time to cook and prepare food. So we don't want to just give people food. We want to try to help them change their life to, to eat better in the future. Well, that brings us back to part of the HGT mission is to uh, insp- you know, uh, uh, demonstrate and promote a sustainable living. And uh, I, I don't know, uh, delicious food is one certain way to inspire people to um, change their lifestyles for the better. And I guess we probably should explain this first. Um, CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture. So it's a, it's a concept where people would buy into a farm in the springtime, which helps give the producer some income up front to buy seed and fertilizer and things they're going to need throughout the growing season. And then, um, you know, so that, and then that also guarantees the, the farmer has a guaranteed market for their product. Um, that's a big issue for farmers is, is trying to find markets. You can spend as much as half your time marketing your food if you're a direct-to-consumer producer. Um, it takes a lot of time to market and sell your food. Um, and then the benefit is to the consumer is they know, they know their farmer. They know where their food's coming from and how it's grown. So, um, Shop local, right? Yeah. So beyond the CSA in the kitchen, we also, you know, we've sold some of our product through the, through the, through the grocery store in town, the family market, uh, Pine River Family Market. And um, we also, some, some of our extra produce goes to the, to the food shelf here in town as well as to the, the school cafeteria. Well, sure. Uh, so we're talking a lot about um, the produce that you guys put together, but you do other programs as well that aren't necessarily centered on um, the food that you guys create. Um, one of them is called Food Youth Biz, which uh, well, maybe you can talk a little bit about more. Yeah, we've been doing that for, um, I think we're in our fourth year this year. Fourth year. Yeah, um, it's a relatively small program. We team up with um, the Area Learning Center um, here in town and work with at-risk youth on, on food education, food system education. Um, we think it's valuable because it's, it's, um, those, are the, those are the future citizens of our, of our community. They're the ones that are least likely to leave. So yeah, we, um, we do weekly, we go on weekly and, and, and have um, different programs on, on the food system and education around food system and, and sustainable, sustainable farming. Um, and then we, in the springtime, we usually take one or two field trips out to farms and maybe over to CLC, Ag College, um, different places to try to get them some, some hands-on, you know, real-life experience about, you know, what, what happens in farms. And then um, we team up with the um, community ed in the community garden in town, and we have a plot over there, a school plot, where we grow some food over there, a hoop house um, where the kids start um, Vegetables in the springtime, and then we harvest that in the um, spring and deliver to the cafeteria and then replant for a fall harvest that also goes into the cafeteria. Um, and then we get those, um, our Food Youth Biz students to also not only help plant that and harvest that, but also um, work in the food shelf garden that's over in the community garden too. So We do, we do a fair amount of outreach with other organizations more on a regional basis. Um, we do some different work with the University of Minnesota, the Regional Sustainable Development Partnerships. Um, some work with Master Naturalists and Master Gardeners. Um, kind of involved in a, a larger scale, more um, 
I guess, greater regional effort. It's called uh, Greenlands Blue Waters. It's a multi-state effort that's promoting um, how we can get more perennial um, crop production in, in the Mississippi River watershed um, with the theory that if you keep the land green, the water will, will remain blue. But um, yeah, and then and then locally with the uh, the Crowing River Basin Forage Council and and Pine River Watershed Alliance and Sustainable Farming Association, some of those groups. Well, sounds like you guys stay busy, uh, even if you're not in the, in the garden during the during the winter months. So. That's great. guys know but uh, we're located in north central Minnesota in Pine River um, very small town uh, just about in the, right in the center and it gets pretty cold up here in the winter um, now during the summers it's beautiful growing area uh, bountiful crops as, as you guys heard but um, got to make sure that uh, we don't stop when uh, when when the frost hits so um, one of the initiatives that um, Dave has uh, implemented is hydro hydroponics and aquaponics systems, and maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. Okay. Um, in aquaponics, we use the fish um, and their waste as fertilizers to, to supply um, the nutrients that the plants need to grow. Well, uh, I was doing all I could to learn about aquaponics and, and hydroponics, and I kind of designed um, my own system uh, if you uh, I'm in the atrium and um, I, I kind of work the um, uh, aquaponic system um, based on some of the same um, soil health principles that we uh, use out in the gardens just um, if, because you have to maintain that good biology and the microbes in the system so that they can uh, convert all of that uh, waste into useful nutrients uh, for the plants. So, uh, what, what kind of produce do you do you end up making? Um, uh, well, well, I um, sort of experiment with a lot of things. Um, I grow a lot of uh, salad greens and leafy greens, and um, um, some chives, and and I've grown strawberries and um, and tomatoes in the system also. There's one more. Um initiative that we have that that we have um looking at for the future and that's around social enterprise um we think the best way to to demonstrate um ecological and economically viable systems is through doing it and um so we're we're experimenting with or i shouldn't say we're experimenting but we're looking at different um social enterprise op options um we've been working on a business plan for a mobile slaughter unit to kind of um, move some of the local um, meat products from our ranchers and, and farmers in our community um, to keep that to keep that product local. Um, we've also looked at some large-scale chicken operations um, you know, and um, other things like that. Um, there's a, a local um, farm that we're working with to try to develop a transition plan for them to see if there's some kind of a beginner farmer um, program that could work out of that as a social enterprise so um, 
some way to, to produce a product holistically and, and, and make a profit at the same time. But more to come, I suppose. That's, that's just getting started. So. Well, okay, I think that, that brings us to about our 20-minute mark, so I want to make sure that um, you know that you can um, uh, hopefully expect one of these every other week. Um, and we'll have special topics covering all things that uh, we're doing, well, that the garden crew is doing in, uh, on, on campus here. Um, so stay tuned, and um, hopefully you'll hear from us again. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. We'll have Barb next time. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe.